I mean, where else this Sunday do you find flowers and sunshine all growing on a stage? I mean, God even gave me a putting green if I get nervous today. Well, if you're new here this morning, if you're visiting us for the first time, I want to say to you, welcome. Welcome to New Hope. And as you came in this morning, you were given a couple of things. The first one was this. It's a name tag. Now, we want you to, um, we're going to ask, I'm going to ask that you wear this, okay? And make sure that that's really your name on there, okay? And put them on. And the reason why is because with a church of this size, people can get lost um, in the cracks. And we never want that to happen. You see, if I, can, if I can call you by your first name, it does something personal. Of course, we live in Hawaii, and Uncle, Auntie, Sister, Brother always work. But we don't want to go to the default. What we want to do is get personal. And if I can call you by your first name, and you can call me by mine, that already breaks down the door. So if, if you would, um, make sure that you're wearing your name tag, okay? The second thing you were given was, was a bulletin. And like Leona said in the video, um, there are most of the things that are going on are written inside of this bulletin. Also, there's a tear out tab that if you haven't already, you can fill out your information so that we can also get to know you in that way. Now, there's also a prayer request on, on there and go ahead and fill that out. And you can give it to one of the ushers or you can give it to me or you can take it to the information center outside just so that we can really get to know you. Also in that bulletin, you have notes, and we purposely uh, print out these notes so that it makes it easier for you to follow, follow along in the message. It's been proven that if you don't write something down, within 24, uh, 72 hours, the normal person will forget. Now, that's the normal person. For me, I found out it's more like 7.2, so I write everything down, okay? So um, you can fill in your notes there also. We expect that God is going to say something to you this morning because of your obedience in being here. Because he's the one who called you here in the first place. And you don't want to lose that. When God speaks something into your life, write it down. Because he means it to make you into everything that he's meant you to be. So if you would take out your notes right now, we're going to get rolling on the message. And what you may notice on there, and you've been noticing by the marquees walking in, that um, the name on there might be incorrect. Because, like Pastor Charlie said, I'm not Pastor Sheldon Laksina. Okay? My name is Pastor Aaron Pacheco. Um, Pastor Sheldon this morning asked me to take the helm because um, he needs to uh, take a break and allow his body to rest. Now, Again, I'm not Pastor Sheldon. He is, if you've never met him before, he is a little bit younger than me and a little bit less good looking. <laughs> he will never let me do the message again. <laughs> but um, Pastor Sheldon is one of the most energetic and incredible people I know. Um, up to this point, I, I've seen him go floorboard. For the last three years. Eventually, this shell that we call our bodies will uh, slow down. One of the things that um, 
Pastor Sheldon has. Um, you see, he has this um, hearing impediment. It's not that he cannot hear. It's that he don't listen sometimes. <laughs> and he's taking this opportunity to be obedient to God and to listen to his body as well as he takes this break. And I'm glad he is. I'm glad he is. Not because I don't like him here. I love the guy. And I, I always um, am, am touched by when he speaks and he, he listens to God. He knows what he's saying from here. He's an incredible pastor. The thing is, we need him for the next 40 years. And so, this is great that he is uh, finally taking a break. And I get to do the, the message today. This morning, we, we get to kick off a brand new series. And it's a four-week series that will lead up to Easter Sunday. Entitled, For God So Loved the World. And that may sound very familiar. It should because um, it's a very, very popular, most used scripture throughout the whole Bible. And we'll be learning about how great, uh, how this great God, even though, uh, as I told you before, He is awesome, He is worthy of all our praise, how this great God, the master of all that is known and unknown, can actually love us. I know sometimes it's hard to understand the fullness of God, and especially his love because we are so limited in our thinking well god understands that he knows that and that's why he became a man so that we would be able to relate to him and him to us that's what easter is really all about it's about god's love and his identifying with us it's because god so loved the world now, aside from the circumstances surrounding my presenting the message today, I'm actually very happy about uh, getting to do this. Because this morning, I get to talk about my most favorite subject in the whole wide world. The greatest thing in all of the universe, in all of eternity, and that's love. My wife will attest to this, and believe me when I say that I can talk about love for hours. And I promise not to do that today because we got to finish sometime. But the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that in the end, only three things will last. They're not my house, they're not my car, they're not my fortune or fame. They are faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. In the book of 1 John, it tells us what I believe are the three most important words in all eternity. The three most important words written to mankind. And it's stated twice. Where it says this. That God is love. God is love. That's his character. That's his being. That's the innermost part of who he is. <coughs> He's love. Now, some years ago. Maybe about uh, 12 to 15 years ago, when I first became a pastor, we had this guy, um, and I was at the KL church, and we had this guy, he came and he visited us, and he stayed with us for, for a season, and I always called him the, the biblical scholar, because he was very, very knowledgeable about the Bible. He knew a lot of things, and he always loved to uh, show off. How much he knew. So one day in front of everybody, he challenged me. And he said, oh, so now they made you a pastor. 
Okay, if you're so smart, then tell me what God looks like. And right in that moment, I did not feel smart at all. Because I almost felt like I never have an answer for him. So I went to the default answer. And I told him, oh, come on. Nobody knows what God looks like. To look upon the face of God would disintegrate this body. And that's true. But not, that didn't settle well in my heart. And he kind of smirked at me and he walked away. Well, it bothered me for like two weeks. And after about two weeks, I brought it before the Lord. And I said, Lord, why, why is this bothering me? Why, why, why should this bother me? I, I gave the answer that I knew. And he said, you gave the default answer. But you got to be able to answer this question. And he said, ask me what I look like. So I said, Lord, what do you look like? And he brought me to 1 John chapter 4. In verses 8 and 16, twice, where it says, God is love. And he said, that's what I look like. And he didn't stop there. He explained it in detail to me. He said this, have you, Aaron, have you ever seen a mother holding her newborn child for the very first time? Both their eyes open, studying each other. And I have. I, I actually had one better. Because you see, when my daughter CJ, our firstborn, was born, uh, she was C- born C-section. And I was in the room with them. And after they had uh, spanked her and cleaned her all up and everything... They brought her to me first. And there she was. And her eyes, she was born with her eyes open. And I stood up and I was holding her and just mesmerized by by this little human being. And we were studying one another so deep that I I could see into her soul and her mind. And the next thing I knew was I heard this voice and it was from the other love of my life. Saying, um, what about me? (laughs) And then I heard the doctors and the nurses laughing. Because I turned around to find myself. I had walked out of the room with my child. (laughs) If you've ever seen that, you've seen what God looks like. He also said this, if you've ever seen a bride and a groom who you know beyond the shadow of a doubt they were made for each other, that they belong together, that they love each other so deep that nothing else matters. And I have, because I get to do weddings. And in the ceremony, when we come to that part where they're exchanging vows, everything else fades away. Um, I'm there, the crowd is there, but they don't even recognize us. Why? Because they're making a vow to one another. They're repeating the words that I say, but I'm not there. They're just looking at each other in deep love. If you've ever seen that, that's what God looks like. Because God is love. And one of the things that He loves to do is to create. He is a very creative God. He loves to create. And just like the the song... And the presentation that we got to see today, just like it depicted, God loves to make glorious things. In fact, everything He makes is glorious. Especially His most glorious and beloved creation, which was a question I asked you earlier. 
But before I get to that, let me tell you in detail how he created. You see, in Genesis it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. But the Spirit of God hovered right over the waters of the deep. Those words, formless and void, when translated uh, back into Hebrew, depict something of chaos. That means God came here and everything was in chaos. Nothing working together. Just all doing its own thing. But the Spirit of God hovered right over the chaos. And he gets this idea that he's going to do something with it. And you know what he does? The very next word says, And God said, Let there be light. He spoke into the chaos, and some of it obeyed and became light. That's the power of our God. That He speaks. That's all He needs to do. He speaks, and things happen. Now for the next five and a half days, He's creating in this way. That He's speaking. He says, mountains and trees and birds of the air and beasts of the field. Oceans and the galaxy. He speaks it all into creation. But on the end of the sixth day, he gets an even greater idea. He's going to create something that stands out from all of creation. His most glorious and prized creation. And for it, he would use more than words. And what he did was he used his hands to begin with. He picked up some mud and he fashioned some pottery. And it's the most exquisite pottery that we know of today. That mankind has ever seen. With all of the technology that we have today, we don't begin to be able to create that kind of pottery. And yet, it is not the pottery that was special. It was what he did with it. Because you see, he breathed. He did CPR. He put his DNA into the pottery. And you know what happened? It came to life. Began to think, to feel, to breathe, and to do the one thing. That sets us apart from all of creation. The one thing that the rest of creation cannot do. And that is to love. Because we have God's DNA inside of us. And God is love. That's how he created us. And that's what he created us for. Of course, God created us because he could. Bottom line. He did it because he could. But he did it. He created us specifically so that he would have something or someone to love who could love him back. God shows his great love for us by creating us the way that he did. And he designed us in such a way that we could love and serve and worship him. And then you know what he does? He places us in this glorious garden. Where every plant was good for food. Where everything was supposed to be simple. Not even having to worry about what we would wear every day. Ladies, can you imagine that? That would save like three hours on your day. We weren't even supposed to worry about those things. But you know what we did? We messed it up. You see, along with love comes this thing called free will. And it had to be. Because without free will, love is not love. 
Love does not exist if it's not freely given. Love cannot exist without free will. However, free will can exist without love. And we began to use that free will. Not to love God, but to deliberately disobey Him. We began to impose our will over His. We began to have a personal agenda. And that's what got us into trouble in the first place. That's what is still getting us into trouble today. And here's the really bad thing about it. It's that that kind of disobedience, which is called sin, separates us from God for eternity. You see, God's original plan was that He was going to be with us and we with Him for all of eternity. Visiting us in the garden. And then after these bodies, which are temporary because they're made of clay, expire. He would draw uh, what we really are. A breath of life. Back to himself. That was his plan. Now I know you didn't come here for more bad news. Um, We get enough of that out in the world every single day. And I know that the God who called you here this morning wouldn't leave you hanging like that. And neither will I. So here's the good news. The good news is that God never stopped loving us. He never did. And His plan for us never did change. It remains the same today. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why? For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Friday was um, the unofficial International 316 Day. And this is what people were sending to each other. You might have seen it in Facebook. Uh, You might have gotten a text. You might have gotten an email. This is why. Because it was 316 day. And I thought, that's cool. You know what? We have a 420 day. Why not a 316 day? That's so cool that we have one. And the reason why we're doing this is because this is the most quoted and popular scripture in all of the Bible. We see it written at football games. We see, even see it graffitied out in the public. It is the most popular scripture. And there are three things today. That we're going to learn from the most quoted and popular scripture in all the Bible. The first is this. God loves everyone. God loves everyone. Now before you put your your pens away. Write this in parentheses next to everyone. Write your name. And for me, it would read like this. God loves Aaron. Now let me read John 3, 16 and 17 once again. With a little twist in it. It goes like this. For God so loved Aaron. That he gave his only begotten son that if Aaron would believe in him, he should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to Aaron to condemn him, but that the world 
uh, but, Aaron, but that Aaron through him might be saved. Makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Don't ever forget that. If you walk away with nothing else from this church today, please take this with you. That God loves you. God loves you. But Pastor Aaron, (laughs) you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know me. You know what? You're probably right. I don't know what you've done. I don't really know you. But I do know this. That God knows you. And it's not my opinion that counts. It's his. You know what his opinion is? That he loves you. Now, I didn't say that God loves what you do. Or everything that you do. Truth is that if it's sin, God hates sin. And he hates sin because he hates what it does to us. Because sin destroys us. God is not mad at you. Like the world says. He's mad about you. That's cool. But if he's mad about me, if he loves me so much, then why is my life so miserable? And how can I know that he really loves me? Let me answer that. Your life is miserable when you move away from God's love by the choices that you make. And you can know that God loves you because he has orchestrated it so that you would be here today. Hearing that he loves you. It's that simple. Acts 17, 26 and 27. Paul writes, For from one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand where they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though he is not far From any one of us. No matter what happens in your life. Good or bad. It doesn't change the fact that God loves you. Through everything. His purpose. Is that we seek after him. And perhaps feel our way. Toward him and find him. Because the truth is. He is never far from us. When our lives get chaotic. Because of the things that we've done. It's not because God has moved away from us. Where is God in the chaos? He's right there. You know what he's waiting to do? He's waiting to speak light into our chaos. God never distances himself from us. It's us who distance ourselves from him. About a year ago, a little over a year ago, um, we got word that uh, people were scoping out our parking lot on Wednesday nights. That um, when we were here in service, there were people riding around on bikes or driving through and checking things out. We also had reports of some stuff missing from certain vehicles. Now, as always happens in this church, um, I get to do The tough stuff. I call them the suicide missions. (laughs) And this was one of them. 
It got me real excited. And I said, shoot, I get this. I'm going to have good fun with this. And I started walking through the parking lots on Wednesday nights because I wasn't scheduled to speak at those times. And um, sure enough, the people, there were um, people who would just drive through. Now, they actually stopped doing that when they saw somebody, and I wasn't alone, that people were um, walking and patrolling the parking lots. It was one of those Wednesday nights of about a month into me doing that. I was walking through this side parking lot, and I heard voices out on the baseball field. Now, it's completely dark. And so um, I can hear the voices, and they sound young. And so I know that it's some of our youth had escaped from the, the youth class, and they were out there. And I, I put on my uncle hat and my uncle walk, and I start walking out there with my flashlight on. You know, the walk that says, I love you, but you're going to get licking. <laughs> and I start walking towards them, and I cannot see them yet. And I hear, oh, no, it's Pastor Aaron. <laughs> and then I hear feet going really, really fast in the opposite direction. Now I'm 41 years old. I'm smart, smart enough not to chase after them. Because mommy and daddy is here, and they got to come back, right? So I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. And after a while, I figure out these kids are not stupid either. <laughs> they actually made their way through the bushes and um, back out to the, high, uh, the road, Kupula Road. But I'm smarter than that too. And I go out in the driveway and I wait for them. And sure enough, about three minutes later, here they come walking down the driveway. And they're tired of running, so they come straight up to me with tails between their legs. And they know they're going to get it. And they did. Now, they never get it because I was mad at what they did. Uh, Mad at them. They didn't get it because I hated them. They got it because I loved them enough to hate what they did. Because you see, they ran from the one who was trying to protect them. And they were running towards the one who might have a personal agenda to hurt them. And I let them know that. Man, you guys running away from me when I'm trying to protect you, but there's somebody out there who wants to hurt you. And you were lucky you never run into their arms. And I tell you, planet tears were cried that night. Not all mine. (laughs) To learn the lesson. And as I'm, I'm walking in with them, And I just feel God saying, Aaron, ease up and and love them. And I'm thinking inside, no way. They're going to get it till I I tell their parents. And then they're going to get it some more. And then he reminds me, but that's what I do with you. See, every time I do something wrong, whether it's from shame, whether it's from not wanting to get licking, whether it's just from not wanting to hear it, I walk away from God. Like he cannot get to me anyway. But that's what I do. I forget that God is there to protect me. I saw myself so much in this situation. That anytime I choose to do what God hates, I run away from him rather than running to him. The thing is that he never pulled away from me. He's always there. When I'm ready to give up and surrender to Him. 
God never moves away from us. He never pulls away from us because, and this is number two, God's heart is not to condemn. His heart is never to condemn us. Instead, his heart is always to uplift and encourage us and love us. That's the power of his love. That he never wants to destroy us. Let me reiterate verse 17 where it says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Now again, we struggle with this because the power of God's love surpasses our human understanding. But that's the truth. And if it weren't true that God loves us that much and that he does not want to condemn us. If it's not true, then we'd already be dead. Thank God that he doesn't act that way. Now, you know what he wants us to do with that information? You know what he wants us to do with the way that he loves us uncondemningly? He wants us to step into that power and to be like him, to take that love and to Share that with somebody else. I do also a lot of marriage counseling. And most of the time it ends up like this. I'm mad at her because she did this. Well, I'm mad at him and I did that because he did this. But I'm mad at her because she did this, because I did this, because she did this. And then the, the closing statement is, you know, 20 years ago she did this. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, no wonder why you guys are in trouble. Because you're holding on to something that you cannot change anyway. 20 years old, you have wasted 20 years of your life. And we should not be like that. More times than not, when somebody wrongs us, we use it as ammo. Rather than using it to show them how much God loves them. By acting The way he does. God's love is described like this. That God is patient. And God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. He does not delight in evil, but he rejoices in the truth. God always trusts, always hopes, always protects, always perseveres. And God never fails. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Read the way that it's supposed to be. God never fails. And God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The word condemn in this passage of scriptures means to judge. And to summon somebody to trial so that their case may be examined and judgment passed on it. Listen, the judgment for sin is death. Not the death of this body, but the death of the spirit. Jesus did not come to condemn us in those way, that way. Instead, he came to set us free from the judgment that we do deserve. Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now here's the critical point to condemnation. That without Christ, 
we are left to deal with our own sins on our own. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, there is therefore now no condemnation. You know what that means? That if we allow Jesus Christ to love us, and we step into His love, and start living in that way, that we don't do this life on our own power. We face judgment according to His power. And no judgment at all. That's great, Pastor. But what if once in a while? You know, just once in a while. Maybe once, twice, three times, 18 times a day. I just, you know, walk according to the flesh. I do everything else according to God's will. But just a little bit, you know. What if I just choose to walk according to the flesh once in a while? Or if that's a question you're, you're thinking about, then take this next point to heart. Number three. God is always near to us. God is always near to us. As I've learned about relationship, and especially my, my relationship with Jesus Christ, there is nobody who has taught me more than the person on this earth who is closest to me, and that's my wife, Carlin. And I'm going to talk about my relationship. Uh, she gave me permission to. And even if um, I say something that uh, she might not like, it's okay because she wouldn't hurt her foot and I can run faster than her. <laughs> but this is what I've learned in my relationship with her. Is that when I'm in her presence, the closer I get to her, the more I love her the way that God meant me to do the less I am likely to do anything against her. See, it's when, when I'm far apart, not just physically, but in love. When I'm not loving her the way that I should, that's when I get into trouble with her. That's when I say things that are demeaning. That's when I don't act in love like God called me to. That's even when I start to do things outside that are not appropriate for my marriage. Finish this sentence for me. The grass is greener. (laughs) I've heard the other side. That's the most popular answer. Throw that one away. Throw that one away. The grass is not greener on the other side, folks. The grass is greener where I water it. And if I'm investing in my relationship with my wife in such a way that my my relationship with her and my love for her is growing, if I'm close to her, not just in body, but in heart, and we're growing closer together every single day, then I will never do anything that will ruin my marriage. The further I get away, the more I destroy it. But if I stay close... I will never do anything that will destroy my marriage. It is the same way with Jesus Christ. The more we get to know Him, the closer we are to the Lord, the farther we will get from sin. It just works that way. Now sometimes we think to ourselves, if I could just stop sinning and be good, then things would, be, would work out fine. 
We even say, or we put the blame on somebody else. We make excuses like, if, if he or she would just stop doing this, then I wouldn't get so angry at them. I, I, I wouldn't act in this way. I'd be okay. I'm going to give you some very value, valuable advice here. So listen to this one, okay? Stop. Just stop. Stop trying to stop sinning. Because there will always be excuses on why you cannot stop. This world just throws them at you one at a time. Every single day. Stop trying to stop sinning. Instead, take that energy, take yourself and invest yourself into drawing closer to Jesus Christ. That's what you do. And I promise you, if you do this, as you draw closer to Him and begin to understand His love for you, as you begin to love Him more and more with the time that you're spending with Him in prayer, with the time that you spend with Him in the Word as He, he reads His love story to you, the more and more and deeper and deeper you fall in love with Jesus Christ, the less and less prone you will be to sin. Because you want to do the things that please Him. And He's the one. It's never on our power that we overcome sin in our lives. It's on His power. He's the one that helps us live a life free from the bondage of the grip of sin. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we got no chance in eternity. We got no chance when it comes to being set free from certain sins. It's the power of God's love that draws us close to Him. Never away. God's love should always bring us closer to Himself. Despite the circumstances in our lives. Folks, there are no excuses. Because it's as easy as allowing Him to love us and choosing to love Him. I heard it once said that we can make successes out of failures. We can. But we can't do anything with excuses. No more excuses. Draw nearer to Christ. If you feel yourself drift from God because of some situation in your life, it's not because God doesn't love you. It's because you've made a choice to not love Him. Because the Bible clearly states it in Romans 8. Starting in verse 35, where it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. To him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ if we don't let it. I'm going to wrap up this message with a, a story. One that was um, sent to me by a friend after they had read it. It's a very good one. 
It's about a little boy named Zachary. It says little Zachary was doing very badly in school. His parents had tried everything. Tutors, mentors, flashcards, special learning centers. In short, everything they could think of to help him. Finally, in a last-ditch effort, they took Zachary down and enrolled him in the local Catholic school. After the first day, little Zachary came home with a very serious look on his face. He didn't even kiss his mother hello. Instead, he went straight to his room and he started studying. Books and papers were spread out all over the room and little Zachary was hard at work. His mother was amazed. She called him down to dinner. And to her shock, the minute he was done, he marched back to his room without a word. And in no time, he was back hitting the books as hard as before. Now this went on for some time. Day after day, while the mother tried to understand what made all the difference. Finally, little Zachary brought home his report card. Quietly laid it down on the table, went up to his room, and again hit the books. With great trepidation, his mom looked at it. And to her great surprise, Zachary had gotten straight A's. Now she could no longer contain her curiosity. She went to his room and said, son... What was it? Was it the nuns? Little Zachary looked at her and and he shook his head, no. Well, then she replied, was it the books, the discipline, the structure, the uniforms? What was it? Well, little Zachary looked at her and he said, well, on the first day of school, when I saw that guy nailed to the plus sign, I knew they weren't fooling around. (laughs) I got a good laugh out of that one too. But it didn't take too long before it got serious. Because this is what God revealed to me. He revealed to me that, you know, when he allowed his son to be on the cross for everything that I had done wrong. He wasn't fooling around. And he ain't fooling around with your eternity. That's the kind of God we serve. That he loves us enough to send his son. To pay the price for our sins. So that we would get to spend eternity with us. That much God loves us. Do not ever forget that. Now when you walk out of here. Now when you go to work tomorrow. Not ever. Remember that God loves you. Loves you enough not to condemn you. Loves you enough to be near to you even when we mess up again and again. So that when we're ready, He can speak light into our chaos. God created you for love. And that's what we need to allow Him to do. He also created you for this. That you would explain that with your life. Not just with your words. But with your life to somebody else. Because undoubtedly, there is somebody in your life who needs to hear this message. That God loves them. 
They, they, they think there's a whole world out there that thinks God hates them. That's why things are so bad. But you and I know differently today. And God wants to let them know as well and He'll use you. Undoubtedly, there's somebody right in your family, some, one of your friends right in your neighborhood, somewhere in this community who you cannot imagine spending eternity without. Just like God. And this morning, I'm going to challenge you to, to step into the power of His love and pass it on. Pastor Sheldon explained this a little bit last week. This is our invitation booklet. And what this is for is uh, we don't give out the big one, okay? There's this insert inside our car. We give out the small one to introduce our friends. But I'm going to challenge you to do this first. That you would get down on your knees and pray and say, Lord, reveal the person who I cannot imagine spending eternity with, who you want me to pray for, that this Easter, they might know your love and step into eternity as well. And then you give it to them. But before you do, you write down their name on this line on this side where it says, I am praying for so-and-so. That he knows God's hope. And then every time you pass by this, or you, you stick it in your Bible, and every time you pull it out, every time you remember, you pray for this person again, and again, and again. Not just till Easter, but until eternity. Until they have eternity. I've been doing this for seven years now. I, I started off by getting two index cards. I felt God put it on my heart. And I wrote down the names of the two people who I believe He was speaking me to me. To be praying for and to be showing his love as a part of through my life. And that's what I did. One card turned over seven times already. Because every time uh, that person receives, I, I put a new name there. That one's turned over seven times. In fact, the first guy who was on there, he is serving with me in this church and serving well. Not a card, brought his hot head. Because he's still on there. But I don't stop praying for him. And I keep doing that. And his name will be on this card. Because I'm praying that this Easter is the one that he comes to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. We all get to do that. We get to be a part of God's love, the power of his love in this way. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me and let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you, first of all, Lord, for loving us. Because aside from your love, Lord, we are nothing. And we have nothing. So we thank you, Lord. And we want to choose to love you back. Starting this morning. To live in such a way that we would be close to you, Lord. That we would fully receive, fully step into the power of your love. Knowing that there is no condemnation in you. Knowing that we, don't, we no longer have to sin. As long as we're near to you. So let that happen, Lord. We know that's your will. Let your will be done, Father. This is what we pray. And Lord, I also pray over those right now. Those who um, never made that decision yet, Lord. Or never understood what your love is really all about. That it's not about being good. It's about spending eternity with you. And I pray over them right now. And I pray that, Lord, you would settle it on their hearts. That they would make that decision. The best decision that they could ever make in all of eternity. To come and get to know you. And they may not understand you fully. None of us do, Lord. 
They may not understand your love fully. But Lord, allow them for the rest of their lives to get to know you and fall in love with you more and more. This is what we pray, Lord. This is your will. Again, let your will be done. Lord, you do your thing and allow us to be obedient to do our part. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And yes, Lord, we love you right back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Can we seal that with a clap offering to him?